Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid-lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Osimet, a mom to two boys, middle school teacher, homeschooler, and writer. Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, episode 42. Can I tell you that we've been doing 42 episodes and I still mouth along with you when you say, welcome to Two Lit Mamas. <laughs> it's kind of distracting, actually. <laughs> I say the exact same every time. <laughs> and my lips move and everything. <laughs> it's just like being at mass again when the priest says all the words, you just like mutter them along. <laughs> Uh, 42 episodes for the love of God. That's a lot. It's almost as old as we are. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm not even close. <laughs> I'm 37. Oh, I'm, wait. Can you hear that? Can you hear it? What's yes. that knocking? What's that knocking? What's the knocking? That's 50 knocking on my freaking door next week, and I'm <laughs> not happy about it. I'm not answering the door. You can stop making fun of me finally. I know, right? It's been a long, it's been, I mean, it's been six years that, since you've turned 50. Oh, so. <laughs> I'm just getting there. I mean, I'm just saying. It was oh so gosh. funny though today. I was like watching CNN, which I can't stop watching, of course. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, for God's sakes. And I'm trying to like lose weight again because that's what people do when they're over 40 something and the menopause <laughs> uh-uh. is coming after them. And um, and I'm like, here I am, like trying to make good choices and right. not do bad things and not make my butt any bigger. But I'm like, can I really care about the size of my ass when I'm sitting here on my couch waiting for the four horsemen of the apocalypse oh to ride gosh. up as we're all going down? Uh-huh. P.S. I think famine is on that. So I feel like it's good to go in heavy. I mean, it's good. <laughs> You're prepared. Like, You're prepared I, for the famine that's coming. I feel like I'm going to live a little bit longer. Thanks yeah. to my ass. I, I, yeah, you're right. That's right? I mean, that's what they always say. Like elderly people who are a little bit heavier do better because if they have a hospital stay or something, they're they're. <laughs> well, set. we are elderly now, <laughs> so we're good. We're and good. I'm not going to break a hip because I'm going to bounce because I'm chunky. <laughs> oh gosh. I'm going to just bounce right back up. <laughs> hey, chunky girl. That's me. <laughs> I've been drinking my calories lately, unfortunately. So there you go. <laughs> I haven't. All I do is work and I don't. And now I've gotten to the point where I'm like, so done by the time I'm, I'm so tired by the time I'm done with work. I'm like, oh my God, I can't even, I don't even have a free glass of wine. I'm going upstairs. <laughs> done. Anyway. Oh. So, you know, yeah, whatever this week, at least we get to pull something out of our TBR pile, right? We have, they're getting a little crazy around here. Mine are getting dangerous. If there was an earthquake, I might die from my TBR. Pile. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So here's the thing though. I'm looking at some of my TBR and I'm like, can't, there's a war going on. Can't, can't, can't. So then I get really to the heart of my TBR and it is appropriately fart jokes and humor, which I'm like, oh, come to mama. That's where we are. That's all mama can handle right now. Right. So I, I do have a lot of murder as well, but it's like, you know, drag queen murder or (laughs) something of that. It's something, you know, titillating. Cozy murders with tea and buns. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I did just read about the murder at the lobster shack. So, oh, um, but what's in your TBR? Cause I'm sure it's all like, it's like flowery books, isn't it? It's like British fantasy books, isn't it? You know, <laughs> minor it. farts and fat kid books. Yours are like flowers and history. Yeah. Historical <laughs> fantasy. Yes. Oh my gosh. Historical fantasy, I have to say, it's got to be my new favorite thing now. After reading Root Magic, I cannot stop thinking about that book. We talked about it in the last episode. And yeah, historical fantasy has got to be high on the list. But I do have a lot of, I don't know. I mean, I just have a lot of everything. 
because I, I like to try a little bit of everything. So that's really bad. A smorgasbord, if you will. Yeah. Plus it's middle grade March. So we got to buy middle grade books, right? We got to have a time. I know I did. I, I just told you right before we started, I just bought that new book called Star Child for next week. Mm. The Octavia Butler biography in prose. Thank you. And, or excuse me, in verse. Um, I have been for the last three weeks, four weeks, I have been teaching poetry. And this is the first time, I don't know how, because I've always taught ESL and science and things like that. But this is the first time I've ever had to teach a huge poetry unit. And I, it actually has spawned kind of a love of verse in me. And I'm like, I'm really digging it now. I'm really, I never really liked poetry at all, at all. But now that I'm working with it, it's verse is like a whole different thing. Well, you know, I have a journalism background and so there's always an economy of words, you know, and I, I love and my book this week actually was in verse also. And I just love it. I'm amazed at how you can get like a full fiction story out of like super economy of words. I'm just all about that. It's really cool. Well, see, we've been reading the crossover in one of my classes, Kawami Alexander, and um not only is it like brilliant and in verse and, and and it's all these little like snippets of life, but he does these. Have you read it? No, I haven't. You just have to look at it. Like if you see it, like it's so cool. He does like when he's he's t- here because obviously podcasts are a visual medium. Let me show you with like, my hands you- <laughs> um, <laughs> because he, he does this like, you know, like the way he uses white space. And if yes, it's going yes. down, like du- he's writing like shoot the, because it's all about basketball or dunk. He, the letters literally go down the page and it's so cool. And my kids, my class is like so into it. They're like, I didn't know you could do this. And I think mm-hmm. that that's so cool because my kids go, the kids that I teach, um, I teach like a, like a, a, an extra, extra English tutoring lessons, basically. And they go to public school and they were like, no, we haven't read that book. No, we haven't read that. I'm like, uh-huh. oh my God, every school I've taught in, in the last, you know, since that book came out has used that book. So it's really cool to see, to be able to bring kind of, this is what the rest of the world knows. <laughs> Like, this is what's really happening in middle grade when you're not in a broke down public school of some sort where they're still teaching you like, you know, like they read Casey at bat. There's so many great things out there. So it's cool to see them break the rules. And it's and I'm psyched. Anyway, that's my whole thing. That's why I'm so excited to read this this book, um, because one, I love Octavia Butler, but to I'm really excited to see kind of how they approach this this whole verse as a biography as a biography, biography yeah. in yeah. verse so. so you're getting ahead that's next episode I know that is next biography. episode I'm just I I need to talk about anything but reality right now I know and books are my you. favorite way to do that it's escaping into books isn't that what you're supposed to do I think because so. that's what we do isn't that what people always do like the brilliant people the brilliant people do that when the <laughs> war is coming I don't know if we're brilliant because we are going into murder and fart joke books um, where I feel like the people like, you know, the great forefathers and foremothers read like, you know, the works of the masters when there were times of trouble. And I'm just like, can I have the book about the flying farting pig? All right. Well, should we crack into our books? Yeah, let's get started. Welcome back. So um, I held on to my promise of only reading one book for my TBR pile, even though it was really hard. It helped that I was crazy busy at preschool last week, though. So Margie, why don't you get started first and tell me about the middle grade book you chose? Because um, I cheated and I read two this time, <laughs> even though I told you you weren't allowed to read two. <laughs> 
<laughs> you were making me feel bad about it. <laughs> but my, in my defense, one of them is it's mine's like a graphic novel is my second. Okay. One. okay. So, I mean, it's it's in my defense. It's not like a full fledged like tome. It's more like a flying bat pig extravaganza. So, <laughs> All right. What'd you read first? Okay. So the first one I read, um, this book caught my eye immediately. It has like, I'm going to show you the cover again, because it's a visual medium. Um, it is so bright and colorful. It's got giant orange letters. It's got an evil villain in prison garb on top. And then it's got this cute little fat kid with blonde hair and glasses at the bottom. And um, it's called the super villains guide to being a fat kid by Matt Wallace. And okay, you know me, I'm always down for the fat kid. I love a fat kid story. Always going to always. And can I just say props to the universe? Because when I was a fat kid, there were no fat kid books. And now we're getting a lot of them. And we're not just getting fat girls. We're getting fat boys. And I love it. And I love it. And I love it. And this is another one of those great fat kid books that has nothing to do with that fat kid wanting to lose weight. He just wants to have better hair. (laughs) <laughs> and that is exactly what we need. So this is my second week in a row with a fat main character. Um, and um, I'm proud of that. So anyway, this is about Max. Um, Max is our token fat kid. Uh, first of all, let me just say, though, this book is hot off the press. It just came out at the end of February. So it's spanking Oh, new. who wrote this one? Did you say? I'm sorry. Yeah, Matt Wallace. Oh, Matt and Matt Wallace, Wallace also okay. wrote Bump. And that oh. was his first middle grade book. And he won a Hugo award for that one for um, fantasy. Oh, wow. So okay. this is like, I first I thought it was realistic fiction, but it's not. And it's such an interesting concept. So Max lives in a world that is very much like ours, but there are actually superheroes and superheroes actually do come to save the day. So there are superheroes like Cobalt and Smoke, and they are part of their society. Max, however, has a problem with superheroes because everyone else thinks they're so wonderful and they save the day. They solve all the problems. But Max is like, well, wait a minute. Did they really solve the problem if they destroyed that entire block of buildings or if they laid waste to that entire town? So was that solving the problem or did they just create more problems? So he's kind of this devil's advocate sort of thing, but he's afraid to sort of tell his opinion to anybody because they think, well, how could you not like superheroes? Uh, that won me over immediately. That that totally won me over. I'm like, this is a great way to look at the whole superhero idea and not get bogged down in it and not like, but kind of like look at the superheroes, but not buy into it, which is what Max does. So Max lives with his mom and everything is okay. He's got one friend, Luca, everything's okay. But now he's going to middle school. And on the first day of middle school, it all began. He goes to sixth grade and Johnny Pro, which is his nickname, um, Johnny Pro, he's a water polo star and, you know, the typical Mm -hmm. jock. Mm -hmm. And he decides to make Max his target. And the day that he does that, it all starts, he starts beating him up. Um, He beats him up a couple of times. It gets pretty bad. And he decides that Max decides that there's one person that can help him out. And he says shot in the dark, but maybe someone else is misunderstood. And that is the superhero, Maximo Marconius III, aka Master Plan. And Master Plan has been supposedly wrongly accused for his role against in a in an incident that involved a cobalt, another superhero. And Max thinks that maybe Maximo didn't really deserve to go to jail. Maybe he's just misunderstood, as we all think of villains, let me just say. But um, so he decides to email him and he gets back an email saying, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I can't communicate with children, blah, blah, blah. And then a couple hours later, he gets another email that's like, yeah, this is what I, that's what goes through the main office that the prison 
reads. I'm going to tell you through this email what we're really going to do. And he decides he agrees to help Max make over his life and not make over his life for any other reason than to make Max feel better. And that's what's so cool about this. The whole concept of giving a makeover and the this, the mastermind supervillain, he's always telling him, it's like, it's not about what you look like. It's about how you think. So Maximo or uh, master plan was also a fat kid and he's a fat guy. And he's, so he always says like people that are built like us, people of size like us in his emails and stuff that he ships back and forth. He helps him kind of like come into his own. And the biggest thing that he does is he sets him up one of his former henchmen is this German guy who owns, who has now gone straight after his time in prison, and he owns a self-defense studio. He says, Max, go to this guy, say this certain phrase, and he'll know that I sent him. So he starts to train, Gunner starts to train Max in self-defense. So now he learns how to defend himself, but not in violence, just how to defend himself, not how to like, you not know, how to be aggressive. Exactly. But how to protect himself. Mm-hmm. I have to give one spoiler away, which is absolutely brilliant. At the very beginning, to kind of kick this whole thing off, he master plan sends him a GoPro. He straps it on. He goes at and the minute that Johnny Pro comes on him and starts to beat him, he clicks on the GoPro. And then he Max sends the video back to Master Plan, and Master Plan makes it go viral, which gets Ooh. Johnny Pro kicked out of school for a yeah. month. And it sends this whole bully world up in arms. And then it gives Max time to kind of like figure out all these things he needs to figure out at school without the constant fear of being beaten. So that was a really great plot way to do it. Like a really great plot construct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a great twist that I cannot give you any more hints about because there's a great twist that I didn't see coming because you really love the supervillain. You really love master plan. You're like, he gives such great advice and he really is helping him just, just be yourself. And I should also add that Max is of course into cooking and he's trying to get into this master chef junior. um, And there he's wants him to, he kind of convinces him. He's like, well, here's an opportunity. If you think this would help you grow, then you should take this opportunity. If you don't think this will help you grow, then don't do it. And that's how he sets up everything for Max. So then Max makes his own decisions and the growth is on him. So even like changing his hairstyle, how to get rid of his ugly glasses and get new glasses, how to change his clothing style, all of that. Like he gives him hints and he says, but that's up to you. Now you can either take this path or you take that path and you figure it out. So by the end, all of the changes that Max has made, he's made of his own accord, which is pretty cool because it wasn't somebody else telling him what to do. It was sort of someone opening the door for him and saying, this might be a good idea, which I feel like is how anybody should give advice, even if you are not a supervillain. But maybe I am. And that's how I'm going to start giving advice to you. (laughs) Maybe I am a supervillain. And maybe my henchmen are somewhere in the bakery waiting for you. The advice that we give to our listeners about what to read. It's all right. Maybe it's a master plan kind of move. (laughs) It was, um, I I have to say, it was a little hard for me to kind of get into it at first. I wasn't quite, I don't know. There's just something about it that wasn't really feeling it. But once I started to see Max making turns, I was like, okay, yeah, this is good. This is really good. This is 100% for my kids, (laughs) boys that are not, and girls too, because there's a lot of girl characters in it as well that are not looking for something heavy, that want something that's fun, but yet might have a deeper message. But I don't really have to look that hard to find the deep message if I don't want to. It's got good speed. It's got, it's a hero's journey kind of a thing. You know, you definitely see a humongous arc of change. But yeah, it's a really good book. I think that every teacher should have it on their shelf. I think it's a really safe book to have on your bookshelf because 
I, also, if I'm a fat kid, I don't know if I'm going to walk into the library and pick this book up because it's so bold and colorful. But yeah. I do know that it would I would pick it up on the school out of my classroom in the safety of my classroom and put it in my, you know, my quiet reading bin. I would mm-hmm. do that. So I think that's a really, you know, a double edged sword about having this really flashy cover. But it was super fun. It was super, super fun. And I really liked it. So that is uh, The Supervillain's Guide to Being a Fat Kid by Matt Wallace. Um, it's only out in hardback right now, but it should be coming out in the next round in the next few months. So, and get it at your library. Some of the libraries are hot and on it. Sounds great. Are you making goo goo eyes at your husband or your son? My, well, both of them. Cause it's kind of gross. Cause you do both. You make that same look for both of them. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's hilarious that you notice those. They both have walked by in the last 10 minutes. So, <laughs> and, and then the dog will walk by. You'll be like, boop, 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 boop. yeah, my dog is right next to me. She's always right next to me and we're dog sitting and the other dog is right on the other side of me. So I feel like Snow White right now. So it's awesome. If someone asked me to dog sit, I'd probably throw up in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's awesome. All right. So what about your books? Did you have farts? Did you have fat kids? (laughs) No. I didn't actually have a lot of, there were not a lot of farts in mine. It was kind of disappointing, but there were superheroes, which is always good. Yeah. No, I went with a survival story. (laughs) Of course you did. Um, And it's apropos for these times. Oh, I can't even tell you. It was a little bit traumatizing actually, because it was so crazy. But so I read Alone by Megan E. Freeman. I've seen this everywhere. It came out about a year ago. So it's not totally new. It's kind of newish, but it was sort of at the top of my TBR pile. So for a couple of reasons, Uh, first one, it's a book in verse, which we've been talking about. And it's, it was written by a Pushcart Prize nominated poet. I was nominated for a Pushcart Prize once. Were you really? I was, yeah. That's so exciting. About never winning the Beef Queen title. It's nonfiction, of course. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Of course, it was a nonfiction because I never. Who else wants to be the beef queen? Just me. Go on. Oh my gosh, I just learned something new about you. I love that so much. So anyway, so of course that sounded amazing. And then secondly, it's about a girl and a dog surviving on their own, which sounded really fascinating. The only thing is, the book is intense, so intense. Even it's- though it's in verse. It's like, you felt oh, it? I can't even tell you. It's like Red Dawn meets Hatchet sprinkled with some uh, girl who owned a city. I mean, wow. it's like so intense. Um, yeah. And on top of that, total sparse words. And like you're saying, really interesting layout on pages. Totally fascinating. Some chapters were like two words, but so incredibly intense. Okay. So Alone is about 12-year-old Maddie. And she is kind of, she's a middle schooler. She's sowing her first wild oats. She and her two best friends have conspired to spend the night together at Maddie's grandparents' empty vacation condo. So they're doing that old trick where it's like, you tell your- I'll stay at your house. You stay at my house. And Maddie conveniently has divorced parents. So she tells her mom she's staying with her dad. She tells her dad she's staying with her mom. And all. so that's what happened. I never would have been brave enough to do that. Would you have been? No, 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 no. No way. Okay. No. I think one time when I was, I think I was a freshman, I said I was going trick-or-treating and I went and saw my boyfriend, but that was like it. And then I felt so guilty about lying on the way back. I stopped and trick-or-treated on my way back. Oh my God. Of course you did. Of course you did. And people were like, oh my God, just help this poor girl. She's clearly touched in the head. Yeah. I'm not, um, 
Yeah. Anyway, I'm not that big of a rebel. But the problem was, is Maddie's two best friends, one of them got really sick and was throwing up. So then, of course, she couldn't come. And she was the alibi for the other one. Oh, yeah. Neither of her friends can come at the very last minute. But Maddie's already at the condo. She's bought snacks, junk food. Uh, sodas. She's stocked. So she's like, you know what? I'm just going to spend the night here by myself. So she does. But okay. I don't know how Megan Freeman pulled this off, but in the very short beginning, you're getting hints that there's kind of something bad happening in this town, like military wise, like there's some kind of impending something, imminent threat of some kind. They keep calling it. Oh my God. I would have stopped reading right there. Cause I'm like, I can't. I know. You're so I'm brave. telling you you're right so brave. now. You're my hero. Go it, on. I don't know how I made it through it. I mean, seriously, with everything else that's going on and I had like a crazy week, but I made it through this book and it was so good. And of course, you know, I just thought it was hilarious or not hilarious, but interesting and so authentic that some middle school kid would still just be going about her own business, like completely unaware that there's like oblivious. Yeah. That's how middle schoolers roll. Yeah. And so, okay. So we're, but we're getting hints through each chat, tiny hints through each chapter. Something else is going on. So of course, while she's alone at her grandparents in the middle of the night, people come pounding on the doors and say, everyone has to get out. I'm already having heart palpitations ah, and you're just telling me about it. Oh my God. I'm not. Yeah. And she's alone. ah, She doesn't want to answer the door. And then she hears like some of the neighbors say, oh, those people are just vacationers. They only own that. So they don't live there full time. So then the people who are evacuating the building are just like, oh, okay, it's empty. And so she wakes up the next morning. And of course she has millions of texts and emails from all her, her friends are like, oh, thank heavens. We didn't spend the night. That would have been terrible. We're being evacuated. What transport on you are on? Her mom calls and sa- left her a message saying, I know you're with your dad. I just want to let you know, I packed some of your things. Don't worry. We'll see you wherever we get evacuated to her dad calls you know, don't worry, go with your mom. I'll find you wherever you end up. Um, Don't, you know, don't worry. This whole terrifying thing. So she walks out the next day and her small town in Colorado is completely empty. Is it taken over by the Russians? There's like in Red Dawn. There's no one there. It's completely empty. They're all gone. So you wonder, yeah, you're wondering about what threat is coming, but also she's totally alone. There's not a single soul left in this town. This is frighteningly Red Dawn. Okay. So, yeah, so she goes back to her mom's house because um, and, you know, and it's crazy. And, and there's like evidence everywhere of people just like rushing and trying to pack stuff. And there's like stuff dropped in the street. Um, and she goes home and she hears this noise next door. So she goes over there and that's the neighbor's Rottweiler. George has been left in the backyard because <gasps> even you, like dogs but you shouldn't leave your dog behind nobody could leave nobody could take their pets oh okay that's one of the worst parts about this book and i feel like i should do a spoiler alert on this one because there's a lot of dead pets <laughs> in this story okay. i mean that's a good spoiler i think that's a trigger yeah, warning kind of thing it's not dwelled upon but it is there and it's a th- issue and it that was the thing that was most intense for me because you know i love my dog <laughs> and i kept thinking mm-hmm. about how because what if you can't get around it? What do you do? And if you leave them in your house, they're going to starve and die. And if you let them loose, they're on their own. And yeah, anyway, it was like a horror. That was the worst. That to me was and, like, and P.S. I don't think that your labradoodle is going to do a lot of killing on its own. I know, there. right? <laughs> right. Just saying. She might become prey. Okay. So anyway, let's not think about that though. I was just like almost in tears just thinking about that part. So anyway, so she befriends the neighbor's dog, George, and she, Maddie takes care of George. 
So that's good. At least one pet is okay. (laughs) So then she realized how screwed her situation is because she knows her parents won't be looking for her. And if they end up in different (laughs) evacuation sites and on different transports, they're not going to realize she's missing. Girl, that's why you shouldn't lie to your parents. I know. I'm telling you. It was good. good. It's a great setup. I just think that's such a brilliant setup though, to do it like that. It was like giving him a cautionary tale at the same time, you know? And she really learned a lot of lessons along the way that I thought were were not even like in your face, but were just sort of authentic to the story. And it was, yeah, it was really crazy. And really, this book is about loneliness because she really she ends up being alone for like two years in this town. Oh wow! Yeah, it goes on for a long time. So, um, so she has to deal with a lot of stuff from like wild packs of dogs, from figuring out. Once all the utility utilities are fine for a while, but and then they eventually stop. So she has no running water, no electricity, yeah, no of course. heat. She lives in Colorado. She's got to prepare for winter coming. So did she like make the house like her mom's house home base or where does she live? Well, okay. So she realizes once the utilities go out, she can't stay at her mom's house because there's no wood burning stove. Okay. There's no form of heat. So then she treks everything that she's collected across. She has a bike with a little like carrier on the back of it and she scavenges everywhere like she's super smart about like she goes and at the beginning it's kind of sweet because she leaves people notes like if she takes anything she leaves them a note thanking them and like saying what she took so that because she worries she doesn't want to be stealing um of course after a couple of years it's kind of different because it's like well i guess nobody's coming back but so then she treks across town to her dad's house because it has a wood burning stove and she collects all the firewood from any house that she finds and all that kind of stuff so yeah i mean there's a there's it's weird because it's like all these survival things it's also kind of like girl in a city because she like they she goes into all the stores and collects stuff yeah she worries about what's stable like what food she can take that's stable that won't go bad because like obviously after a while all the fresh stuff is gone right 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 what about like is there is she facing an outside opponent or is it loneliness the outside opponent? there's always a threat of the outside opponent um but really more natural disasters there's a tornado that comes through town there's a wildfire where there's nobody there to stop like lightning causes a fire and there's no one there to stop the fire so the fire burns down like part of the neighborhood there's um a flood that comes through that is unchecked and floods um an area just like a lot of natural disasters um a lot of like you know, the wild dogs are all loose now. Coyotes are coming into town because there's no, you know, right. no nothing to scare them off. Yeah, so it's a lot about kind of nature taking back over and how she manages that. And also, you know, her dad taught her survival skills because they live in Colorado. And he said, if you ever get lost, stay where you are because we'll come find you then. If you leave, that's when people get into trouble because nobody can find you. Uh, yeah, right. So she keeps struggling with this idea of do I stay? You know, especially as the after a year or so, like she's not sure. And then there's also like some looters that come through. I mean, there's a lot that she deals with within the time frame that she's there. And it was just crazy intense, but so well done. So well done. So great. Do you think that a boy would like it even with the with this yes, MC? 100%. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah, think 100%. that my older boy would like this? Um, Yeah. 
Yeah. Interesting. It sounds so good. I want to get it. And because she's alone, there is kind of a lot of internal dialogue yeah. and thoughts, which, you know, normally, you know, they say don't do as a writer or whatever, because it's hard to pull off. But you don't have any other character. Right. And this is brilliant. And also, like, I feel like, like I said, she kind of evolves from like, you know, normal middle school kid to maturing throughout the thing, but it's all like very authentic and gradual and not like very in your face. Like, Oh, she learned this lesson. You know, like it's, it's very much like, um, like hatchet. Yeah. He learns, but it's not in your face. And right. he also falls on his face so many times yeah. while he's trying to learn. Same. But he's not there that long comparatively. Right. <laughs> he's not out in the woods nearly as I long as this poor surprised, girl. Actually about like two thirds of the way through. I'm like, wow, this is still going. Like I was kind of surprised by that, but then I felt like because of how she matured through the whole thing, it kind of worked, you know, because it was a couple of years of her life that she had to really take care of herself. And also just the concept of loneliness doesn't kill you, but yet it's also so hard to manage when, you know, so, and I think, you know, obviously having the dog kind of helped her a little bit too, but it was so good. So good. I will say I'm leaning towards upper middle grade with this one. I was one. just thinking that, yeah. At first I was like, because I think I had read that it was mostly upper middle grade, you know, um, but then at first I was like, oh no, I think that any, like an advanced reader could easily read this in fifth grade. But then as it went on and some of the concepts were pretty intense, I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like seventh, eighth grade for sure. Maybe sixth grade too, but. Did it have a satisfying ending? Yes. Did it have incredibly. a conclusion that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of wrapped up a little bit quickly with all the outside stuff that was going on. But yeah, it was wrapped up very nicely and like cathartic because at that point you're like, you need that after all that. Yeah. It was very like roller coaster ride. The whole thing was really intense, but so amazing. And so I just, I'm so amazed by verse authors in general. It's so few words. You come away feeling like you've had this rich world and you can picture everything and you feel it every emotion. But yet when you look at the page, it's like 20 words. You know, I mean, it's insane. And we've read so many good books in verse. And I definitely think for like a reluctant reader, because there's so much white space, like you were talking about, and Mm -hmm. interesting white space, you know, interesting use of white space and, and placement of words. I just think for a reluctant reader, like, yeah, it would be so inviting because it doesn't look overwhelming. And it's also like for anybody that's struggling with any type of dyslexia, it's also the fewer words, the better, because it it really does help. It puts the emphasis on comprehension. It takes the burden off of physically trying to manipulate the words into order that makes sense within your brain. And you can concentrate on trying to figure out what the story is saying. See, I wish it was a little lower because I'd use it for my little nug. I'm going to find him a good verse book, though. It's okay. Now, I will say there's a kitten that dies, and that scene was pretty intense for even for an adult. So, and another thing, though, that the author did that was pretty cool is she uses a lot of like in the beginning, especially, she uses a lot of like texting. Um, you know, yeah, visually. I, that's a brilliant way I to do that. it. Yeah, I like that too. And voicemail kind of had a visual cool thing too. Um, so all that was really neat too. That's how like um, in the Fat Kid book, Matt Wallace did that as well. Like not text. Um, uh, he did a few texts, which helps. I love that. It's a way to move the story along uh-huh. that the kids totally comprehend uh-huh. because their life is lived in text. But he also did it via email as well. 
um, the emails back and forth. And I think that's a great way because of course, somebody's going to read the email and they're going to then move, make decisions based on that email. So why not just put the email in and then let it go from there? And like you're saying, anyone who has any kind of reading issues or uh, challenges, they're going to see that. And that's so recognizable to them. You know, the text message, the email, that's it's not the, overwhelming. It's not that's yeah. like number one in that world is like, mm-hmm. be careful of overwhelming them before they even mm-hmm. get in. And again, like, I think this is like maybe the second or third book and verse I've read in the last year. And every time it's over, I just am so amazed at how it felt like I just read a huge novel. You know, yeah. it's crazy. So and who well wrote done. this again? Uh, Megan E. Freeman. Good on you, Megan. Awesome. Yeah, it is really good. It makes my second book sound really sad. <laughs> <laughs> makes my second, but that's all right. So your second book is the one I sent to your boys, right? It is, of course, because leave it to Aunt Hehe to send something about flying pigs because that's how she rolls. <laughs> that's right. But um, but Aunt Hehe sends these books, and then the boys are like, huh. And then they read and they're like, oh, I get it now. Okay. So, and this is exactly what happened. So my little guy has dyslexia. My youngest is dyslexic. And so reading is something it's like akin to pulling bamboo shoots out from underneath your fingernails. Um, Writing though is more like using the bamboo shoots, putting them in and then clamping them down with something. So at least it's a little bit better than writing, but reading is not his jam. He loves to be read to. He does like to read. He likes books. He likes audiobooks and all that sort of stuff. So I was trying to figure out a way that I can kind of suck him into reading. His vocabulary is very, very, he has a ridiculously yes. you know, extensive vocabulary does, for yeah. an eight-year-old dyslexic. Yes. So he understands really complex concepts He basically as well. sounds like an 80-year-old sarcastic woman. He does. He, <laughs> he certainly does. Um, with his new Hugh Hefner rope that he just start, he made during class this week. And now he looks like, he was supposed to look like a samurai. He looks more like Hugh Hefner in a kimono with chicken legs, but I digress. So what I thought I was like, oh, well, look at this book. We could do this almost like a like a character reading. So this is a graphic novel. And I thought if we just took turns reading each character, then we could get through the book. He could totally comprehend what was happening. And it would take a lot of the, the sort of reading pressure off of him. So I thought we would try it and it worked like a charm. And we did a one pager report. Have you seen one pager book reports? Do you know what those are? No, what is that? This is my new favorite thing on earth. So a one pager is you basically take a piece of paper, excuse me, a big piece of Bristol board and divide it into sections. You have one section that's a character characters, one section that's the plot, one section that's your favorite part, one section that's any information about the author you want to add, and then setting. That's so fun. Yeah. And it tells you it's all about the book. So he draws the characters, he draws the setting. Um, They can, if they're younger, they can draw the plot. He writes out like two or three sentences about the plot. Uh, He writes out his favorite part or draws it. And then he gives us a little information. So we did a one pager on it and it was really fun. So what the book of it was a bad pig book and it's called When Pigs Fly by Rob Harrell. And he's also the author of that book, Wink, which was, it's super, it's Mm -hmm. everywhere. You've seen that book. So this is one of his newer books, the whole bad pig, the bad pig thing, if you will. So this (laughs) is a 2021 book. This is about Gary. Gary is a pig who suddenly realizes he has superpowers, but he has to learn how to use his superpowers. And one of them that he needs to learn how to use is flight. 
which is cool, right? Because his best friend, Brooklyn, is a bat. So she can totally help him learn how to fly. Oh, wait, Brooklyn's afraid of heights. So she's a bat who's afraid of heights. So she just coaches him from the ground. But then they have his other other best friend, Carl, who is a carp, who every so often has to jump in the toilet because he's been out of the water too long. They can't tell Carl because he has a big mouth. And Carl the carp likes to tell everybody all the secrets. So that's why they don't tell Carl. So this book um, is based in, it's basically cut into two sections. Bat Pig and Space Farce is the first one. And that is where Carl gets mad and he's going to get revenge on Gary by making this concoction out of, you know, like kids do where you pour sodas and all these nasty things together. Well, it spills into his reptile's cage and it turns him into a radioactive repto man who's a giant like Godzilla like thing. So first, the first half of the book, Gary has to fight repto man. And it's, of course, you know, humor ensues. It's hilarious. It's really fun. The second one is my favorite part. My my son liked the first half better. I like the second half. It's called Meet the Enemy, M-E-A-T, the Enemy. And this is... <laughs> when he has to he has to fight the butcher and her goal is to turn him into a pig in a blanket i mean i can't (laughs) it's just so funny like she has this robot that's going to turn him into a pig in a blanket she find he that's when gary finds out that his kryptonite is bacon the smell of bacon (laughs) i mean it is so funny his he has he's like ready to go save the world and fight the butcher but then he finds out he has to babysit his cousin mervin and mervin's like so annoying and everyone hates and then he calls carl and carl's like oh my god not mervin he's the worst everyone hates mervin oh i could go on and on about this book it was so freaking funny it was so funny um and you know me i i need i need a lot to make me really get into it and say it's hilarious so it was over the top it was like so great and so here's the thing here's my soapbox i'm gonna step up on it that's me climbing up on my soapbox. I feel like now we're going to Foley sound. I'm just going to make sound effects to go with our podcast <laughs> now. Clumping along. <laughs> anyway, that's me getting on my soapbox. Coconut. Like a little horse. I'm riding into my horse. That was my echo. So here's the thing. Books like this, and I've seen it a lot in our homeschool group. Books like this get a really bad rap from parents especially like the wimpy kids series because they're not like literary enough yes and i have seen oh they're just trash those (gasps) trash books is what some people call them to which i say oh hell no Uh -uh. because books like these are exactly what we need these are the kind of books that little nuggets like mine who cannot read, who struggle to read, who hate the whole process of reading. We need books like this for those kids. We need books like that for kids that don't want to do it, who it's reading hurts. Reading is hard. Reading makes them feel stupid. This is a a book. They read it. They laugh. They understand what's going on. Graphic novels are so good for kids with reading disabilities because whatever picture they can't paint in their head, it's right there for them. I mean, Rob Harrell, good on you. And keep that back coming. You're on my Francia list. I'm going to come. I think he's a Hoosier, isn't he? Is he? We can find you, Rob. I know he, I know <laughs> I, I found out about him at our, at my favorite bookstore, Kids Inc. So yeah, I think he's a local, yeah. local to you writer. Okay. Okay. Um, check him out because I want to send him a gift basket with some Franzia and okay. maybe some squeezy, squeezy cheese and Ritz crackers. <laughs> That's how we roll. <laughs> but these kind of books are epic and it is more important than the big old cannons, all of them combined, because 
anybody can read those kind of books. Anybody can write a book that's some sort of great fantasy. Anybody can write a book that's, you know, any writer, not anybody. Well, I mean, I don't think that any book should be trash because if it's an entry point for somebody into reading, it counts. It all counts. Exactly. Exactly. Whether it's a graphic novel or an uh, audible version or I mean, whatever, it doesn't matter. It all helps. And if you've never spent time trying to help a dyslexic kid read, if you've never spent time as a sped teacher, if you have never spent time working with kids that have auditory processing disorder, then just shut up. Sit down (laughs) and just sit down, Karen, and shut up because you don't know. So don't judge. Uh, That's all I can say. Shut your pie hole, girl, because when pigs fly should be, as far as I'm concerned, give that sucker a Newberry. That's it. That's it. That's what I have to say. Boom. Drop the mic. I will drop my mic, but it was kind of expensive and I don't want to drop it. So (laughs) that's it. So that's my second book. It was great. It was really great. It's so funny. And when you come to visit me, I'm going to make you read it because it's really okay. fun. That makes my heart so happy. I will send was, more books. Then. Send those graphic novels. Yep. And I have to say, if you are a parent of a dyslexic kid or a kid with a reading issue, a reading disability, try it. Try the graphic novels, reading them with them. Read it. So when you sit down and have read aloud time, read together because it really does help your reading part, their reading part. And it really gives them some confidence. It gives them, you know, that sort of, oh, we can do this together. It's really great. And it really was a good, it was a good book for us. I think even our son didn't really have reading challenges, but just reading a story to him at night. I mean, we did that for a long time. Yeah. He was, you know, 10 or 12 when we were still reading books to him. At oh, night. my, my 14 year old still best. sneaks in when he hears us reading and he's like, can I, can I just stay for a while? Yeah. I mean, I did that. I'm 18 years older than my baby sister. And I remember coming back from college and my mom would be reading to her and I would just stand in the doorway and listen because I grew up, she read to us all the time. I'd come home from dates in high school and she'd be reading and I'd, you know, to the kids and I'd get, go listen. But it's I think so that's nice. why we like audio uh, books too, though. Like you and I both love audiobooks and we yes. both love podcasts. And I think it's the same thing. It's like somebody reading to you. I yeah. love it. Well, and podcasts are like hanging out with your friends. I hope everyone feels that way, that they're hanging out with us because it's nice. <laughs> well, they should be getting wine. They should probably go get some wine. Yeah. Unless it's morning and you're driving your car to work, then don't don't drink wine. <laughs> Before we started today, Margie texted me, wine or tea? And I'm like, oh, it's a wine. It's a wine <laughs> it's week, a wine right? Week. Yeah. It's definitely been a wine week. <laughs> All right. Well, shall we wrap it up on our books and move on to our fabulous next moment of glory? Our pixies. I feel like I need to write a little pixies. A <gasps> <laughs> little jingle. I know. I should start doing something there. A little sound bite. Maybe I shouldn't sing, but. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know any singers? I don't know. But okay, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our pixies. <laughs> So for this week's Pick 6, we're giving a nod to Women's History Month and talking about our favorite female middle grade main characters. So Margie, why don't you go first? Okay. So this was like trying to pick your favorite child. Oh my gosh. It was so and hard. Always, it was so hard. So I had five, then I had seven, then I had two, down to two with maybe which one of the last five. So I settled on three and there were some painful things that had to go. But mm-hmm. what I had to say first was... Of course, number one, the, the, the <laughs> character that got me through my middle school life that taught me so much 
I love you, Judy Bloom. Thank you for giving us Margaret from Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Margaret, I love you. And I love you. And I only bought that book because we have the same name. And then I fell in love with you. So there we go. So my first nun is Margaret from Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret by Judy Bloom. My second, because, you know, sometimes those books stick with you for years and years and years. Yeah. Okay. So this book was given to me when I first, by a student, P.S., who was like, this is a great book. You should read it. This was given to me by a student when I very first started teaching. And that character has stuck with me since that for 20 some years or however long it was, you know, and that is Jesse Kessler from Running Out of Time by my girl, our girl, our love. Margaret Peterson Haddix. I know. I love that character too. I think of her all the time, all the time still. And she like, does not go out of style or out of date, get a date. No, I mean, it's no, because amazing. remember last year you read it again mm-hmm. and I read it. You and I both read it again with my older son. So we could do like a book talk with him. Nothing changed. Nothing. Not, there was nothing about it that was that out about that book that I would be like, wow, this book is like 20 years old or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-mm. So yeah, so that's Jesse. Love you, girl. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Margaret Peterson Haddix. Woo-hoo! All right. We love you. <laughs> and then my last one was so hard because I love Starfish and I love our MC. From I, there. I put in and quotes I, on our document. You didn't say Starfish. What's I know, happening? but I had to go. Well, because I'm a deaf mom, I had to go from oh. for Iris. Because you know what? For me, seeing Deaf representation is really, really important. And I, I, fat representation is too. P.S. Love that one as well. That's for, for me mm-hmm. as a mom, the deaf representation is really important for my kid. And um, because of that, I had to go for Iris from Song for a Whale by uh, Lynn Kelly. And mm-hmm. I mean, Lynn. Come on. First of all, if you don't so follow good. Lynn Kelly on Instagram, you need to because she has a three-legged dog that is so freaking adorable. You'll <laughs> laugh until you cry. And she puts the funniest videos of that dog. Anyway, um, it's just a great character. Being deaf to that character is very much like being short. It just is. It's just something that's there. And I feel the same for with, with like Lisa Phipps character, you know, like with Starfish. It's yeah. very much the same as that main character is like. But yet it's not. It's a little bit deeper. So both of those. So I had to tie. Okay, I tie. All right, I tie. I'm going between both. Of I kind of had a and... bit of a tie for my last one too. But okay, I don't know. we'll see. It's hard to pick your favorite child, and I haven't looked at yours yet, so I'm excited. I to know. Do it. Okay. I saw that you had Margaret, so I was like, okay, we're through doing throwbacks. I've got a good one. Okay, so a throwback character that has really stayed with me is Esperanza from Esperanza. <laughs> I knew Rising. you were gonna pick it. Oh my gosh. You're such a Pam Munoz Ryan groupie. I do love Pam Munoz Ryan. I love you very much. I will stalk you someday. I came out in 2000 and it has stayed with me like since then. I just thought that was such an amazing story. It's set during the Great Depression. It was about surviving like this huge disruption and upheaval um, in this one child's life or in Esperanza's life. And she was okay in the end. Like her life wasn't better or, you know, but it was okay. And I just felt like, yeah, that's what we need to know that bad things can happen and it can still be okay. So I just loved Esperanza from Esperanza Rising by Pam Munoz, Ryan, love you. And then uh, kind of a more recent character that has also really stayed with me is Ada from The War That Saved My Life. And there's also a second book, The War I Finally Won, and that's by Kimberly Brubaker Bradley. And I just love those books. They're set during World War II. It's about Ada, who was abused by her mother in London, but um, found herself when she snuck out to join her little brother who was being sent to the country for safety during the bombing raids. I mean, just such an amazing story of perseverance 
and standing up for yourself. Oh, so good. And that's Ada from The War That Saved My Life. I want to read those books. I, you talk about them all the time, and how much you love them, and I haven't read them yet. Like, they're on my list, which ever grows every day. But Both of those are really great historical fiction books that I know that's not as quite a popular genre, but they're just so good. World War II seems still pretty popular. With yeah, it does. Yeah, that's true. Um, right now, I mean, there's tons of adult books set in World War II, too. I've been reading a bunch of those. It's like crazy revival of World War II stories. Um, so well, cool. I mean, hello. Well, and it's kind of cool now, too, because they're coming out with stories that haven't been told, like, you know, women's stories and all these, yeah. other, you know, different stories. So that's pretty cool. Okay. And then my last choice I really struggled with because I was going to go with Amari from, for, for, by B.B. Alston and the Amari right. and Brothers. And then there's a new one coming out and there's a movie being made. I really liked Amari. But when it came down to it, and I really thought about it, I totally love Mimi Maxson from Midsummer's Mayhem Aww. by Rajani LaRocca. I mean, I just love that character. Rajani's got to be on my frenzy list for sure. I mean, she's amazing. You know, I'll put anybody that I live. It's good. If we, we, I love it. If it's good, I'm on there. I'll sit in your front yard and cheer you on. <laughs> I mean, I really love Mimi and her whole Indian American family. They were just big and loud and fantastic. And of course, this book is a modern retelling of Midsummer's Dream and it's all woven in there. And it's so amazing how it was done because it's not super obvious, but yet it was fantastic. Mimi comes from the super talented family and she feels like she doesn't have talents. Mm. She's hoping her talents are in baking, but she kind of relies on like her family to help her with that, like her mom and stuff. And then she gets to the point where she has to kind of do a lot of stuff on her own. And then all of the, you know, all the craziness of Midsummer's uh, dream. I know. I love Midsummer Night's Dream. A uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. Sorry, I always leave out the night in that. Um, Midsummer Night's Dream. Just the craziness of it is like all in there, and I just loved how it escalated in this book, and how Mimi's competitiveness, but also her like love of her family, really shine through. It's just so good. So that's Midsummer's Mayhem by. And you know me, Rashad I'm always a sucker Rocha. for sort of an immigrant family. Oh yeah, or, you know, it's like a, a first one. generation family. Yeah. I mean, I tell my my husband all the time. I'm like, I hope one of our kids becomes a comedian because <laughs> the stories they tell. <laughs> yeah. About their crazy immigrant yeah. father. And there's cooking in this story. I think we talked about that that book during our cooking episode yeah. a while ago. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I just love her, Mimi Maxson. So those are my three. Esperanza, Ada from The War That Saved My Life, and Mimi Maxson from Miss Summer and Mayhem. So yeah. Oh, awesome. We're, we're yeah. really good. We picked those up. are good, good right? Those are good ones. We made good I mean, choices. If you ask me tomorrow, I could probably come up with three more. And then the oh day my after God, that, I can three t- more. Yeah, totally different. <laughs> totally different. And But, th- but I'm, there's no way, and only because I'm a snob about boy books, uh, there's no way I can pick my favorite boy character. I can't. There's no way because there's just too many of them because that's all I read are boy books most of the time, you know? Well, it's Women's History Month, so. <laughs> it is. We get like one freaking month. At least, they, you know, at least we get a month, I guess, with 31 days. That's shocker. <laughs> I got to say, honestly, Women's Day and Women's History Month and things like that w- celebrated way more intensely when we lived in Turkey than in America. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Way huh. more, way more. I mean, we used to get flowers on our desks for women's really World women's day. Oh yeah. Wow. Candies. Yeah. Oh yeah. The kids would all bring you candy. It was nice. I anyway. think we need to start that here for sure. The Turks know how to celebrate women's day. That's what I'm saying. Of course you couldn't get a job without your husband's permission while you were there. Right. So I, I mean, there's, and Maybe. then there's that. And I couldn't have a <laughs> bank account without a man, but you know, I mean, <laughs> We do get flowers on Women's Day. So there you go. It's a toss up. They tried to make up for it. (laughs) Right. 
my God. All right. So I guess that wraps up this episode. What's on deck for our next episode of Tulip Mamas? Well, so next time around, we're doing biographies, which is exciting. We've never, ever done this in our 42 episodes. How we've is never that done biographies. Wow. I know, right? It's kind of weird. So I'm reading, as I mentioned, 17,000 times <laughs> at the beginning of the episode. I'll be reading Star Child by... Um, E.B. Zoboy. And I'm so psyched because um, I, I just can't, I can't even, um, I can't. Octavia Butler. I yeah, Octavia I Butler. We love her. Although I have to say, I cannot read Octavia Butler right now with the world's current, current state. It's a little dystopian for me. Yeah. Um, and I'll be reading Lady Icarus. And it's Balloon Mania and the Brief Bold Life of Sophie Blanchard by Deborah Noyes. So this is about oh, cool. hot air, a hot air balloonist. Yeah, I'm excited. I love tough broads. I love these stories that are coming out now. They're so amazing. I do too. Even like, okay, for, just before we go, really quick, mm-hmm. we did a thing in one of my classes. It was uh, on Friday night, my Friday class. We were reading about Amelia Earhart. And you know what? I'm like, you know, I didn't kind of forgot about that. Man, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And my girls, my students were so into it. They were like, she was so tough. She was so bold. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Like youth of the world for reminding me of all these great stories. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Well, she's big in our house because you're flying people. Yeah, with they, yeah, my husband's both, and my son both love airplanes. So she's pretty big in our house. But yeah, that's awesome. I don't just love airplanes. Those fools fly airplanes, which is just something I can't get behind. <laughs> I get nervous when soccer balls are coming at my kid's head as a goalie. I can't even imagine like my kid. Oh no, mom, I'm going to go up and fly an airplane. Yeah, I ha- it was hard. I had to definitely tamp down the mom worry, <laughs> but I made it. Through. I couldn't. I need a flask or something. So. <laughs> Maybe that's how I should start going to peewee soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Little flask. No, no, I'm pocket. not drunk. I'm the goalie's mom. All right, I'm drunk and I'm the goalies. Mom. I'm dealing with this it. This is how I can handle yeah. this. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What hockey goalie? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, that's that's yeah. the worst. That's so intense as the mom. <laughs> I'm it's, sure it's the kids love it. They don't care. But, you know, as the mom, you're like, oh no, don't mess up. <laughs> it's terrible. It's the fear factor. Like, oh my God, everyone is going to cheer you if you get it. Everyone's going to boo you if you don't. Yes. Ah! Yeah. To my baby. Yeah, exactly. Well, I couldn't baby into dance just anyway. But anyway, I would much rather than pirouetting across the stage, but that's not what they gave me. So here we go. (laughs) All right. right. Well, that was a good episode. That was a good episode. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Right. It was fun for us. So (laughs) um, if you liked what you've heard, leave us a review and share us. We'll love you forever. And we know you're sharing us because we've been getting lots more new downloads every week. So keep sharing. Um, and if you love us, give us a good review. But if yes. you don't love us, give us a good review. Because if you give us a bad review, I'm going all Midnight Express on your way. Okay? <laughs> I'll send my Turkish husband after you. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're going to get that poor man in trouble. And he's like the sweetest guy. Like, what is this? What is this you tell me now? What you make me do now? <laughs> All right. And if you want to join us twice a month for Kidlet Discussions, please subscribe to the Tulip Mamas podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts. 
And if you want to find out what's happening in our worlds, you can follow us on Tulip Mamas Podcast on Instagram, where I post lots of ridiculous pictures of things that I'm cooking or the beach. I like to post the beach. Um, or at Tulip Mamas on Facebook. And of course, on our website, www.tulipmamas.com. Thanks for listening. Now we're really lit. We are lit, we're lit in time. so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have a great week. Bye. Bye.